your Sunday dress ain't too much for armor. Oh, for me, my mother's son. Save me from a wretched father. Or the sweet slip of the silent. talk about the Sabbath, um, and I know that, you know, you may have a myriad of reasons why you come to church, uh, why you come to worship. Um, I love what the, the scriptures teach, which is that our souls and our bodies and our hearts find their deepest rest when we are with God and we enjoy it, especially when we're with one another. And I actually think that you can experience that in this moment. And I think that that's why we're here, for us to find rest in God together. And that's what this commandment is about. And so our practice here is I'm going to read the text and we're going to spend some moments in silence. And what we're doing in that moment of silence is simply uh, bringing our awareness into the fact that, that God's here with us and that he can satisfy you. So um, this is God's word to you today. Remember, God gives you a relationship with himself before he asks you to do anything, which is very unique in the whole world. God says to the Israelites and God spoke all these words saying, I'm the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Then skip down to verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor. And do all your work. But on the seventh day, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. Let's uh, set this moment apart and ask God's blessing on us right now. Ready? Let's pray. Father, you are here and you give us, um, you just, you give us so much space to figure it out and you implant uh, things within creation in a hidden way, but somehow they're always obvious when we realize them, the old past, the ancient ways 
of finding you. And so, Lord, I, I do pray that the, the normal thing that we're doing here, where we're opening up your scripture, we're hearing from you, we're singing your words, um, that you would, in, in a transcendent way, that you would give your dear, your dear people rest. Oh, that, that it would be like Psalm 23 that we just sang, that, that we would feel like we are sheep um, being nourished by streams of water and green pastures. Um, and that you would give rest to our souls. And despite where we are on the spectrum of belief or doubt into whether that's possible, um, come. Come and pour yourself out onto us. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to talk about three things. Uh, what does it mean to keep a Sabbath? Why is it important? And what does the Sabbath point to? Many of you may remember two years ago during this time. Um, I, I want us to, to think about that. I want us to remember uh, what happened two years ago. And I'm going to read you in order to get us to think about that. I'm going to read you uh, a headline. Many of the the news headlines read like this. The spread of COVID-19 has upended life. This is March 13, 2020. Okay. The spread of COVID-19 has upended life for many people in the United States. As the World Health Organization declared the coronavirus outbreak a pandemic this week, hundreds of schools closed nationwide. Millions work from home and the toll of the disease continued to rise. This is, for me, this is when I knew it was real, when they canceled the NCAA tournament. You know, large events are being canceled, like the NBA, MLB, NCAA tournament being suspended or postponed their seasons. Wall Street suspended trading twice this week after stocks plunged. And on Thursday, the U.S. stock market tumbled 10%, the worst percentage drop since 1987, the 1987 crash. That was two years ago on this day. And what was so alarming about that for me was that all of life seemed to just halt almost almost on a dime in, in like sort of a 180 type way. And the, the normal rhythms of our lives, uh, just they just stopped immediately. Everything we usually did, schools, restaurants, events, worship. They stopped and we were left in our homes. You know, some of us were with our families. Some of us were alone. We were left in our homes, you know, checking our Twitters and updating and trying not to get so anxious. And for the first time in my life, and I knew, I knew it was serious as I heard older people uh, say, this is, a, this is different than anything I've ever experienced. Uh, the first time in my life, my, my life changed in, in a way globally that I had never, ever yet experienced. But... Before we knew what that change entailed, we were forced to do something that actually this law commands. The word Sabbath means to cease, to stop. And as one, I have a very, I've been called by my counselor a moth because I can't light, you know, um, I have a hard time sitting still. And as one who I very much desire uh, rest in my soul and in my body, but it seems to always, always elude me. 
until sometimes when I'm with y'all. Until sometimes when I'm with God's people. Now, the two aspects of the Sabbath, of the ceasing that we find in Scripture, there are two different reasons why you should keep a Sabbath according to Exodus and Deuteronomy. In Exodus, it says you keep a Sabbath because you are mimicking what God did in creation. That when you as a human being work and cultivate and you work the ground, you subdue creation, you are supposed to do that for six days. And on the seventh, you are supposed to rest because that's what God did on the seventh. You can think of it like a, an exhale when there's a job well done, right? That's what God did on the seventh. And in Exodus, the command is like, you do that because you were created in his image and you're supposed to do what God does. The other reason behind keeping the Sabbath in Deuteronomy is so that the Israelites can remember that they were once enslaved and that God with a mighty hand brought them out of slavery and they are to continually celebrate that through feasts, through worship, and to continually say, I, I was once a slave and now I've been brought out of, of slavery. Now, um, this, is, this is something, it's so hard to talk about rest and it's so hard to talk about the Sabbath without shaming each other. Um, and I love, I really do love this command. And, and it's something that we, we do break it continually. And we're kind of okay with it in, in ways that are different than like, we're not okay with like adultery or murder, but somehow we're, we're okay with not resting. And I think it's not just a Lincoln-Nebraska problem. It's a, it's a Western problem and maybe even a global problem, especially with more affluent countries. But here's where I want us to, to veer away from. I don't want to focus on how we're not keeping it. I want, I want us to reimagine through the past two years and what we just experienced. What is it that we can learn from what happened what are some good things that, that we can take away from the fact that all of our lives literally pause? What did you learn? What does it mean to, um, to set apart as holy? It's not just that we are to stop, but we are to set apart one day as holy unto the Lord. That's the purpose of this command. I'm going to give you a couple of examples, and then I want to talk about how we, how we do that uh, in worship. It, to set something apart as holy means that you plan or you prepare for something so that you get the most joy out of it, so that you look forward to it in anticipation and you think about it after the event is done. So, for instance, if you've ever planned a tailgate, there's a lot of planning and energy that goes into uh, protecting the sacred hours of the game for three or you know for three or four hours. Those are the hallowed times. It's distinct. It's a distinct time, and you do a lot of preparation uh, to get the most out of the event. Or if you've ever planned a party or a wedding, what you're doing is that you're saying this time or this day is different than other days, and you are uh, making it holy. You're setting it apart as distinct. Now, the idea here, and this is what's so beautiful. The idea here is that you as a human being were meant to have one special day a week. And it's a day that is meant for your benefit. 
for your flourishing, for your healing, and for your direct attention towards God. And it's a day that's supposed to be different than the other six. The other six days are to be filled with work and production and output and cultivation. And God says, do that for six days. But every week on the seventh day, I want you to prepare and plan to stop and exhale. And don't just exhale like it's a day off. But he says, I want you to exhale towards me. I want you to delight in me. I want you to remember me. I, I, want, I want you to do it with me. I want to be with you, is what God is saying with this commandment. Now, there's a lot of talk these days about self-care, and I like, I like self-care, but this is God's rhythm made especially to nourish you and to heal and nourish those people around you, and even like animals and stuff. Like there's there's parts in in the Old Testament where it says that even the earth itself needs rest. Some of you who are farmers know what that's about. But we are called to honor that rhythm in creation of work and rest and hold that intention. And you are a part of the creation that your body, it needs to rest. It needs to stop. It needs to cease. And so if. And I bet I don't have to like argue with most of you that that's like important. But if it's that good, why don't we do it? Like, why is that hard for, for so many of us to rest one day a week? I think one of the gifts of the past two years is that we need to ponder this. Like if the world is exhausted and if the church in the West particularly is struggling Um, What can we learn from our lives and the world and how it's been altered? I was I was speaking uh, with a friend who has a sort of nominally Irish Catholic friend who lived in Boston, grew up next to him. And he said that he was processing coming out of covid in Boston because they're just opening things up uh, later there. And this family, he's like, they're very beautiful. They are very successful, super, super gifted in so many ways academically with sports. And he said this dad, who, you know, who's not really like a churchgoer, he said, um, coming out of COVID, we just don't want to go back to the way that life was before COVID. We were just simply doing too much. We were doing too many things. We were overworked. We had too much stuff in our lives. Now, what, think about our context. What did we learn? I think God showed some of us how much we enjoyed a schedule that had literally nothing on it. And it was expected that we didn't have anything on it. You know, that was the relieving thing for me. I think he showed some of us uh, how much we hated a blank schedule and how hard it was for us to sit still. I think he renewed creativity in many of your lives that you started doing things in those early in those early months that you hadn't done before in a long time and you had space and time and you enjoyed yourself. I think he showed some of us that we are far more anxious than we care to admit. But I think he showed all of us and he forced us to reckon with our mortality 
and the mortality of our friends and family members. Some of us lost friends and family members in here. And my point is, whether, whether you wanted to or not, this, this is how I want you to think. Whether you wanted to or not, you kept a Sabbath. And the question is, in this command, is did I keep a Sabbath unto the Lord? And how can I make that a rhythm in my life? What have you learned about yourself over the past two years? What have you wanted to learn? Uh, the, one of the greatest pictures, I've used this example before, one of the greatest pictures of somebody who kept a Sabbath. I worked at a camp in Alabama once called Maranook. And uh, they worked us hard for six days at Camp Maranook, but they worked the maintenance guys even harder. And I remember we all went to worship one Sunday together at just some random like local church. And after the worship service, everybody had cleared out. Uh, and then there was this one maintenance guy in the pew. And I saw him and I, I went over and I was like, hey, is everything OK? And, and I could tell in his demeanor, everything was completely fine. Like he was smiling. And he said, Matt, I could sit here for three more hours and be totally fine. I'm just glad I don't have anything I need to do. So the preacher could have preached for three more hours. And I could, I could tell in his countenance, like, this brother is happy. This brother is content and at peace. And maybe it's because he worked hard for six days. And then on the seventh, I stop. And in the midst of all that I need to get to, I'm going to intentionally stop. I'm going to stop it all. I'm going to stop the worrying. I'm going to stop the actual physical activity. And I'm just going to be. And I'm not going to do. That's what the Sabbath is on the surface. Why is it important? Uh, it's important because God has made you a rhythmic person. This is who you are. And let's say you ignore that rhythm and you push against it. Or you are forced like the Israelites. You know, some people are forced to not even have the privilege to keep a Sabbath. They were enslaved. If you don't give yourself the proper rest or you're forced, what begins to happen is that your body begins to literally shut down. You start to get sick. Maybe you get an ulcer because you're anxious about what you have to do next, never allowing yourself to just, just stop, just stop. And your body is telling you that you can't function properly because it's in the code of your DNA. You got to stop. And part of what this uh, communicates when we treat this command like it's a suggestion is that we're basically saying, God, God, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't need these limits. I can keep working. I can keep going. And part of the part of the purpose and why the steps is so important is so that you remember that you're not God. And I know that, like, if you tease out, if you ask the questions underneath our unyielding busyness, you know, um, what we're basically saying is that, is that we're saying, I, I can't stop for 24 hours because everything would fall through the cracks and then I won't be able to catch up. And who's going to pay the bills? And who's going to do the thing that needs to get done to get us through the next day? And who's going to study 
so that I can get a grade, so that I can get a job. Like, I get it. I get the real that goes on in our heads. And keeping a Sabbath helps you realize this very important truth. You can actually take yourself out of the center of your universe and your universe still keeps going. Because God is God. And that can be, you guys, that can be one of the most freeing thoughts if you will allow it to be. That you can exit this world and it still spins. The Sabbath is important so that you remember that you're dust. And to dust you shall return. We're in the Lenten season and you're just like, why do I want to remember that? It's because you're going to come face to face with it eventually. Because we are a culture that we are allergic to our finiteness. And it's a massive, massive problem. You guys know this. The the rates of depression and anxiety. I mean, it was bad 10 years ago. And then it just went like way up there. And it's because we don't know our limits. We're not meant to know everything. We're not meant to be everywhere all the time. And God says, you don't have to do this. In the Jewish mind, the day started in the evening. That's why in Genesis you have this refrain, there's evening and there's morning, which meant that God had encoded us to live in light of the rest that he's given us, that you live into the work that God has already prepared for you. You don't go out and attain it for yourself. And that's hard for us. That what God says is that you, you are already so intrinsically valued right now that even it, just in your essence, oh my gosh, he's so delighted in you. And that's the motivation behind which you go into work. You don't go to work to try to get that. And what, the, what this means is that not being able to rest is a gospel issue. I, I was speaking with a friend of mine's daughter last week. And she was very accomplished. She directed this play for her entire high school. I got to watch. And she is the valedictorian of her high school. And I was like, hey, what's it like being at the top of your class? And she's like, you know, honestly, it's strange because I feel like I'm an imposter. And, you know, I was like, Jaden, that's that's everybody's problem. We all don't feel like we're enough. We're all trying to prove ourselves. And even when we get there, it's just like, I don't think I'm going to make it. And what this commandment does is that it speaks into the very heart of that striving. And it says you, you actually can stop. And you can remember that all of life is grace. That it's all it is all a gift. Every breath that you take is grace. And you can spend your life. Walking through this world and trying to demand things of it and wishing that it would change and being frustrated. Or you can walk through your days and think everything that I think I'm entitled to, I don't deserve. And it's a gift. All of it. The bad and the good. 
And if it's taken away or I'm found out, it'll be all right. Because God loves you. Because you're intrinsically valuable to him. Not based upon what you do or don't do. He just likes you. Can you rest in that? Sabbath helps us realize, you know, people come to me a lot and they say, I don't, I don't think I want to be a Christian. I don't want to go to church because they believe this, this, and this, you know, about all the hot topics. And I'm just like, all right, don't, don't start there. Start here. Do you exist? Do you exist? Where did your existence come from? God gives that to you. And it's from that grace that you are to move out into this world and that I, I have to constantly remind myself that I am not working to attain some sort of goal or to attain some sort of peace. What God says is that you have the thing that you need most of all in this very moment, despite your circumstances. Which is that God wants to be with you. It doesn't get much better than that. He just simply wants to be with you. And he's strong enough to provide. If something goes wrong, which it will, he'll be there for you. Now go work. Remembering that. That's when you are, are ready to say, you got this. Because God's with you. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says we have to strive to enter that rest. That striving is simply a perpetual fight to remember the gospel, that you belong to the Lord. And it's to be a perpetual weekly reminder of, the, of this one thing. Your work doesn't define you. What you do and what you produce is not who you are. And I think you might find that if you orient your life that way, which is found at this table, you actually will slowly become a less anxious person. And you may not be as successful or wealthy, that's true, um, but you will be able to let work be work. And when the Sabbath comes, you will be able to set it down as an act of faith. And weirdly... When you give yourself the freedom that only the gospel can bring, what begins to happen is that your work actually grows to be better because it begins to reflect God as opposed to like pointing to you or your accomplishments or you're looking for it to, to give you something that only God can give you. Martin Luther said the maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays not because she sings a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on his shoes, but by making good shoes because God loves good craftsmanship. So two questions. Um, are you working hard six days a week? And are you resting one? And if not, could it be that that's part of the reason why so many of us are struggling? Let's say you want this rest. 
and you don't know how to get it. Let's say you, you want what this scripture is talking about. And it sounds, it sounds so thoroughly refreshing to you. And you see its importance, but you're just like, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. In the New Testament time period, where is the Sabbath pointing to? Point three. Uh, in the New Testament time period, the Jewish folks, these, these guys named the, the Pharisees, had created all sorts of ways to keep the Sabbath. 39 rules in this thing called the Mishnah. And one of the things that you couldn't do was harvest crops or anything like that. And Jesus, knowing this, takes his disciples out into a wheat field and starts plucking, you know, grains of wheat, knowing that the Pharisees are watching him. And they're like, no, 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 you can't do this. You can't. Like, what are you doing? You're breaking the Sabbath. And he's like, well, didn't you read about David when he went up into the Holy of Holies and ate the bread because he was hungry? And then he says, the Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. And then he says, the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. And what Jesus was saying right there was that he is the point of all religious activity. That he is the point of the Sabbath, that he's the point of what we're doing right here. That before community, before all the things that like being being a Christian means, It is about him and that he wants a relationship with you. And when you divorce God's commands with his kindness and the fact that he wants a relationship with you, what what begins to happen is we become cruel. We become cruel to others. And more importantly, we become cruel to ourselves. We become unbearable. And we make the very thing that was meant to give us rest into a work. And Jesus is angry. He's like, the the Sabbath, you know, he's trying to heal this dude with a jacked up hand. And the Pharisees are like, you better not do that. And he's like, that's what it's meant for. Look at me. And he says, come. I can give you rest. You don't have to do anything anymore. When Jesus died, you know, it, it was not a mistake that he said his last words is done. It's finished. What do you what do you think he's talking about? That the, the work that God has given us to do is done. And you can be found in him. Which means that, you know, the point of the Sabbath is a person. And that's how you get rest. Human beings are not meant to be separate from one another. And we feel uneasy when we are separate from one another. And God has broken down that dividing wall of hostility in his very blood. And he says, that's where peace is. Shalom. He doesn't tell you where he knows where you can find rest, but he says, I am that rest. Come to me. And you may still be like, I don't know what that means. Like, I I, I don't know what coming to Jesus means. That means like for an hour today, think about, think about Jesus. Think about him, think about him, think about him. And then the next thing you do, just don't stop thinking about him. 
Just do the next thing and remember him and what he did for you. You know, uh, Johann Sebastian Bach, um, famous composer, found this interesting dynamic in his career when he would work on a piece of music. He said, you know, the, the more perfectly a composition is realized, both conceptually and through performance, the more God is imminent in music. Let me describe that to you. Uh, Bach was the hardest worker of his time. No one lived up to his standards. Everyone was frustrated. Even the city council was just like, your standards are way too high. And do you know what he just said there? He said, all of my life's work, all of it, is just unveiling what's already there. That God's present. That he's here. Practically speaking, that means you don't go to school to prove yourself. Look, you don't play sports to prove yourself. If you're fast, you run because God made you fast. And when you run, you feel his pleasure. And just run. Have fun. Don't try to demand that it's something that it can never be. Whatever you're good at is meant to point you and others to God. And when your life has that aim, what you'll find is that you work better and you simultaneously have more peace, that you delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Look, God, uh, God loves good work, but he also loves you. And that's the tension that you got to live in. That God calls you to work for six days and to rest one. And you are set free to try this out. You try and fail and try and fail. That's fine. The reason I didn't give you a list of rules is because I don't know your life. What you need to do is ask somebody close to you and ask them, what, what do I need to do to rest? What do I need to do to remind myself of the gospel? And what I want you to hear from me today from this text is that Jesus simply wants to be with you. That's it. And that's where you will find rest. He just simply enjoys you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. And uh, the ways in which, oh, Lord, we measure ourselves, we measure one another, whatever. Um, Lord, you, you have done away with all that. And you desire us. And you initiate that desire by sending your son into this world. And Lord, our, our rest comes in the reciprocation of that love. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit to do that. And so even as we confess our sins, that this would not be a time where we feel unnecessarily guilty or bad, but that it would be a delight, like drinking a glass of cold
when I may shed blood on me, pray for me. And if I rise from these flames in the midst of the sea, will you mend these wings that are flying? May I never worry May I never